Well, hello and welcome again. Uh, my name is Guy Stevens with the Alliance Against Seclusion Restraint. I'm the founder and executive director of the Alliance. Really excited to have you joining us again here today. We've got another one of our amazing interviews and presentations today. Uh, so uh, I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. Of course, the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint uh, was formed to help raise awareness about the issue of restraint seclusion and, and really to help educate the public and connect people together to change minds, hearts, laws, policies, and practices so that things like restraint seclusion are reduced and eliminated throughout the country and, and really beyond. We want to see safer schools for students, teachers, and staff. We also want to see safer residential facilities or uh, you know, treatment centers or uh, mental health settings. Uh, we shouldn't be using these kinds of interventions on, on anyone. So I'm very excited today to have a special guest with me, uh, Mike Hipple. And I was just reflecting on, on when I met Mike. Uh, Mike had actually reached out to me uh, to share with me uh, some of the work that he had been doing and that he had found the Alliance Against Seclusion Restraint and wanted to tell people about uh, augmented alternative communication. And uh, we had a really great conversation and decided that he would be a fantastic guest to come to our program. So I'm really excited to have uh, Mike here with me today. He's going to be sharing a good part of his story, uh, but Mike will also be answering a couple of questions as well uh, using an AAC device. So let me go ahead and bring Mike up on the screen and introduce him. Uh, so now uh, let me introduce to you, Mike. Uh, really, as I said, excited to have uh, Mike joining us here. And let me just, um, I'm trying to get through my notes here at the same time, so forgive me. Uh, Mike is a man with cerebral palsy and uses augmentative alternative communication. Uh, he was misplaced in a behavioral classroom uh, known as the EBD for a long eight years. And Mike shared with me some of his stories about what happened when he was in that classroom uh, and uh, how difficult that was. Um, just because he couldn't communicate his needs and wants, he was he was placed in the really an un inappropriate setting. Uh, and that really led to a lot of difficulty. So somehow he got out uh, and now he's on a mission and he wants to educate and advocate for families, students, professionals, and children uh, for non uh, children who are uh, nonverbal or have uh, challenging behaviors. Uh, they don't need to be in behavioral programs, according to Mike, uh, or cognitive programs uh, just because they're having behavior. So he's really an advocate for children that may be having um, you know, behaviors of concern. Uh, Mike serves on the Educational Committee and the Membership Committee for the United States Alternative and Augmentative Communications uh, um, Group. And uh, he's also the founder of the Wisconsin AAC Network. Uh, he's a member of the Wisconsin Autism Society, uh, Autism Society and the Autism Society of America. So, Mike, it's great to see you again. Um, you know, it seems like it's not been that long since uh, uh, we talked, but I'm, I'm really excited to have you here today. Thank you for having me on your show today. Like they said, I am Mike Hipple, and I work in the behavior and communication field. I am living in Wisconsin and I love sports. The topics that I'm going to be talking about today are what is AAC, why does this matter to the people who are in the behavioral field, the why, the zones of regulations, and how to teach this to people who are nonverbal and the communication bills of rights. We will be discussing what children think about when teachers put children with a disability in a quiet room, allowing calm time before we discuss with a child what happened and I have some examples of news stories that I want to bring up some things. Before I start, 
I want to tell you that I am a member of International Society of AAC and United States Society of AAC, but they don't pay me at all to come to speak here today. I hope you will choose to become a member of the two societies. We are open to everyone and anyone in the AAC community. Please look at our website at www.usit.org for more information. I have a book about starting school for children with a disability, and I do sell the books for $5. You can email me to get one. Let's get started already with the good information. Augmentative alternative communication is any communication that people use without using their mouth to speak. Augmentative alternative communication or AAC can be easy as a pencil and a paper to write a note to a communication device like I am using to give this talk today. We have a lot of tools that go into AAC. Your child or your student might talk with an app or picture symbols to communicate with, that is AAC. AAC is so important tool to have because we are giving someone a voice so they can communicate how do they feel and what is going on with them. I give speeches all of the time about what is AAC and why it could change people's life. I love to tell this story to drive the point home. I was at a camp for AAC as camper. They had a girl who didn't use her device until the last day of camp. We were eating lunch before everyone went home. The girl said, I love camp and you mom. Everyone was crying and then I knew what I wanted to be when I was an adult. A person who helped families find their kids' voice. Now since most of you are parents or professionals in the behavioral and education field, I bet I know what you're going to type to me next. Mike, I'm not a speech therapist, and my education taught me nothing about AAC and communicating so I don't need to do anything with that device. It's the speech therapist or assistive technology specialist job. Really, let's play a game. How many classes do you think students in a speech and language program that they need to take on the AC? They need to take zero, same as special education teachers need to take. You're equal to speech therapist. If you are on a team and the student need to use a device to communicate, guess what you will be learning about? You were right, you will be learning about AAC so you can best help your student or students too. Back in the day when I was going to school we had everyone on my team needed to go through an afternoon of AAC training session. Because they were going to be working with me. You can and you always should write this in their education plan. Another point that I like to make is the time that the speech therapist have with them is small versus the time that they are in the classroom. We say normal students who are learning AAC get 30 to 50 minutes a week of speech therapy. That isn't good at all because the student is learning a new language. If that student will ever pick up their language by only having 50 minutes a week, 
when they are 82 year old they will use that language aka their device. I didn't make this up myself, we have studies after studies tell us this. I am happy to share the studies about this with anyone who want to see them. Special education teachers need to know how to use the device in a classroom and around school. We have national conferences and webinars about AAC. Closing the Gap in Asia are our national conferences on assistive technology, AAC, and special education. Both are amazing to go to. We have many, many different webinars, podcasts, and blogs about AAC. I am big on joining Facebook groups too so we can all learn from everyone. My point is you don't need to take any classes on assistive technology and or AAC when you were in college. Yes, it would help you, but we have a lot of education things outside of going to college to get that knowledge. I know that everyone can't go to a conference in Minnesota or Florida, but please, please watch some of the terrific webinars that we have out there. The next topic is the why. If you are a teacher or a parent of someone who is having a lot of behaviors. How many sleepless nights that you are aware having to know why they did the thing today. My teachers and my parents had too many of this to count and I hit them too. We all want to know the why. I have a story. When I was little I had terrible behaviors because I couldn't communicate my wants and my needs. I remember one day in third grade clearly. My class was going to see a play at a local high school. I didn't want to see the play. So I used the only way of communicating that I had, which it was behaviors. I did get what I wanted, but it came with a heavy price. I was sitting on the cafeteria floor at the high school with the students walking and watching me. That was win and lose for me. Knowing the why is so important and key for ever behaviors bad and good because you want to know why they did that behavior for. Let's say I am working with a kindergarten teacher for a girl during circle time. The girl who does speak, she doesn't like circle time at all. She will kick, bite, and cry during it. The teacher emailed me to ask to come during circle time and I agree. I came in and the first thing that I saw was the big light over the rug where they have circled time and I am wondering if the light was the problem. The light was the problem and the student loved circled time. Yes I made up this story, but it could be true easily. The why is important for everyone on the team to know. Remember about the little things in the environment too like the light. Once I was working with a kid who didn't like dishes from the cafeteria, they wouldn't eat anything that came from the school cafeteria and they had the biggest behaviors right before lunch every day. It wasn't until we learned about this student of the same dish from cafeteria at his old school every day. I have one more point about the why. Once you know why does the child have that behavior, then as professionals we can better help them to communicate what they need. Now we are going to be discussing about the zones of regulations. For people who haven't heard of this program before, 
It is an amazing program, and I believe it is the best feeling program that we have available today. Mm. I used it when it first came out in 2011, and I remember telling my speech therapist that this program will be a big hit. Anyone could use the zones, but I love this for children who are not verbal to communicate fast their feelings during the time. They have four zones, red, yellow, blue, and green to put the feeling words. A child or an adult could point which color do they feel and using their device they can explain why. Their zones would be great on their device because they can just say I feel red today, that way the professionals will know that. We have something in the AAC community called the AAC Bill of Rights. I am well known if you come to any of my workshops and conferences, you better believe that we will be discussing this at least once, because I truly believe it is the best tool that we have. I'm not going to go through all of the rights that we have, but I will say this to parents. All of the professional organizations such as USAC and America Speech and Hearing Association, they sign this saying yes our society or association signed this and we will ask our members to follow. That was back in 1992 that professional organizations made this. I didn't hear of this until 2016. My hope is professionals are educating families and students about this, but I know it is likely not happening sad to say. You can look up Communication Bill of Rights on the internet, and over time many people made their own copy. I like the one made in 2016. Now we are going to be discussing what kids might be thinking when their peers aka their friends put into a quiet room, timeout room, or my all-time favorite name not not the blue room. I'm going to go through it by grade. Please know that not everyone feel this way. I'm going to take from what my friends told me over time and what I think they are thinking and saying. Let's start in kindergarten and first grade. They are just starting to explore school. So they are curious on where does their friend go when they are sad. They might be worried about their friend and hope that they are okay. If you can as a class go visit the place where you send your student or students to without them, so they can see for themselves it is a safe place. If the school won't allow it, first to me it is a big red Florida, because maybe it isn't a good place. Let's move on to second grade to fifth grade. By now the typical students are starting to understand something is up with John, he always act up when he doesn't want to do his schoolwork. MMM, I might try to do that myself because I don't want to do my school work today. That is the last thing we need to have more students in the behavior program. We want to educate typical students that their friend will need time to themselves to change their day around. I am a huge fan of John Pick books to read to the whole class. They are about a character who has a head in his journey through school. Typical kids just love them and the author did an excellent job writing them. By fourth grade or fifth grade typical kids are starting to have their close friends groups. Let's say, one of the boys is great friend with a boy who he has challenging behaviors. 
boys in the group said are you embarrassed to have him as your friend still? So the boy gave in to the group and slowly stopped doing things with the boy all the behaviors. If you feel that I know this story too well, you are right. This story really happened to me. One of my great friends starting in fifth grade he slowly stopped coming over to my house, by seventh grade he cut me out of his life because how I was acting. At first I was very mad at him he was the star on our high school football team, to get back him I wasn't go to any of his football games, that will show him. Guess what it didn't hurt him, but it hurt me not going to any high school football games. We are talking now, but this took years to make this happen. I wish I could time travel to tell me at age 9, okay you need to stop acting out because you are going to lose all of your friendships including your best friend. I am sharing this story because I don't want anyone to go through this. Middle school and high school is the hardest years especially students who have challenging behaviors and their friends. Do you remember your middle school and high school and all of the drama? Well, times it by 10, that is what our students who have challenging behaviors is facing. We must support them across the day through their education especially in middle school and high school, because a lot of things can happen. This is a nice transition to our next topic allowing calm time before we can discuss what happened. This is for anyone but this is especially for AAC communicators. I know I couldn't communicate what I was frustrated about right way, because I needed to think what I was mad or frustrated about. When I was in third grade I remember my special education teacher Bobby said this. For you Mike, I'm not putting you in time out to be mean, this is your time to think about what you did and anything you want. After that we always discuss what I did or if Bobby was busy she had me to write down in a journal. We need to allow this every time a student of behaviors, because they need to calm down before we could try to do anything to help them. I don't like when school principals talk to a student especially younger students right after or worse during, do you think the student will hear and understand anything? Hell no. The student is trying their best to get back hold of their body and to understand what happened. Most of the students they want to behave and good at home and school. I didn't want or plan to have behaviors, that was how I communicated and that is how children communicate. Now, I would like to talk about the news. The news is where the public get their information from on money, how is our government doing today? They see the weather report and sport news on news channel. From time to time sadly the local news channel or newspaper will have a story about someone having challenging behaviors. The news person might say the following. Today at Hipple's grade school police was called on an autistic boy. He was kicking and biting his teacher, now let's hear a weather report. If you are watching this news and don't know anything about challenging behaviors, you might think this. How awful for the school and his parents should have kept him home today to keep the teacher and his class safe, the parents should have known that this was going to happen. Guys, 
This is the public viewpoint about children who have challenging behaviors. It is hurt and disappointing to me, but it is true. Once I was at a school and I heard a parent said to their child this remember don't play with a child's name because they are bad. I gave that parent a look to say what is wrong with you. People in the behavioral field we know that it is just communication, but the public look at them like they are nothing important. I have one more story to tell and I am happy to answer any questions. When I was little and having behaviors every day, I thought to myself why I was born like this and how long until my school will say you need to find a different school to attend. That was in first grade to ninth grade when I was thinking that. I hope no one is thinking that they might be kicked out of school especially younger kids. You need to tell the kids that you understand their behaviors. Could we talk about what is happening or what is up? All right, Mike. Um, thank you so much for sharing your um, your thoughts and your ideas and your experiences with us. Um, you know, I, I I very much feel what you're saying, and and of course, you know, we know behaviors communication, and we know that people need a way to communicate their needs and wants, and I think. You know, in advocating for for AAC, um, you know, just imagine, and 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 you you obviously don't have to imagine the frustration that you felt when you had something to communicate and, and no way of of communicating it. So uh, this work that you're doing is, is so critical to um, you know bring awareness to people. And I love what you said early in the presentation. You, you talked about uh, you know how you kind of came to this realization that you wanted to help people. You wanted to help other people. And of course, you've, you've been through your own experience. And, and I love that you're doing work to, to help kids. So what I'm going to do now, uh, Mike, is again, thank you for, for doing this. But we're, we're going to take a few questions. Uh, anybody that happens to be viewing live, if you have a question for Mike, uh, you're welcome to put that in the chat now. Uh, I have a couple of questions queued up for Mike as well, um, which I'll begin on. But if you have any questions, feel free to put those in the chat. So uh, Mike, um, let me go ahead and start with the first question that I have for you. Um, one of the things that, that you mentioned and that we see is that very often children with disabilities and non-speaking children are disproportionately restrained, secluded, suspended, expelled, put in quiet rooms, all of that. Um, why do you think this occurs? For those of you that are watching while Mike is uh, preparing his answer, um, again, just think about questions that you might have.
I can't imagine my life without AAC. I am on committees about AAC. I am very active in the AAC, an assistive technology community, active in special education slash behavior community, active in my local community, and very, very active in an organization called Kiwanis. I did not have to use behaviors. I think students who are nonverbal and or have a disability end up in seclusion more because they don't have access to the right support and professionals might not know about AAC. Every time I read a news story about a student who was nonverbal and was in a seclusion room, I feel for the student and the family, but also my heart go out to the professionals, and I always want to know more information. Information like do they have a behavior plan and was it followed? Do they have a communication device? And if yes, where was their device? If no, did they have an evaluation for AAC? And the most important part of the information to me is why did it start in the first place? I understand the news don't have time to go through everything on TV and I don't think that they should do this on air. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that, that's very, very helpful. And, 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 you know, again, you keep coming back to the same message, which is, you know, behaviors, communication, uh, without the ability to communicate, of course, you know, kids are going to have difficulty and are going to struggle. Uh, I've even heard stories about, and, and I think we might have talked about this as well, about people having AAC devices taken away when they were put into seclusion rooms. And, and you know, just the, the thought of that, of, of having your yeah. voice taken from you. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Um, so let me go on to the next question that we have here, which is before you had access to augmentative alternative communication, how did it feel when you had something to say, but not the means to say it? Frustrating. Yeah. Imagine. You are. No one. 
no. <sighs> Frustrating. Imagine you are so smart, but no one know that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can only imagine how how frustrating. And of course, you know, I, I think we we often do find that um, there are you know um, behaviors um, that are coming out of that desire to communicate, right? My family and Thankful for my family and my great school team who didn't gave up. Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, that's fantastic, and and uh, it's great that you've had so many supportive individuals. And I know when we talked before, you, you mentioned that there were some that really helped you out, um, which is amazing. Um, I have a question that we got from a um, one of our members on Facebook that said, "What things would make learning how to use AAC more motivating for the learner?" So I guess, you know, how can we how can we help people um, to learn uh, to use AAC? Make. Yeah. Fun. 
and enjoy. Enjoyable. A T First Make it fun and enjoyable at first. I'm imagining that if, if someone were to join some of those um, organizations that you mentioned, that there might be good opportunities for parents to connect with others and learn more about, um, you know, getting started with AAC. Would that be true? Yeah. Okay. So maybe looking into some of those organizations might be helpful to folks as well. That, that's great. Um, so that's what I was actually going to ask you, where people might go to learn more about augmentative alternative communication. So aside from those organizations, are there other places that you recommend that people go to learn more about AAC? Um, Facebook. We have a lot of great information and downed Professionals. To be. Your. 
On Facebook we have a lot of great information, and don't be scared to ask the big-time professionals to be your friend. That, that's great advice. And, and Mike, I wonder if you might, um, you know, because we've been e emailing each other, if maybe you could email me a list of some of those Facebook pages, and I'd be happy to share those on the Alliance page for people that might be interested. Sound good? Yeah. Okay, great, great. So we'll try to get those and share those on um, Facebook. I want to stop for a second and share some of the comments, Mike, that we've gotten since we started. And, and while I'm doing this, if others have comments, please feel free to uh, add them into the chat. Um, but we've gotten several uh, several comments here. I'm just going to go through a couple of them uh, saying saying hello um, you know, from various areas. Here's somebody in Indianapolis. Uh, we had somebody from the Netherlands uh, on as well. Uh, lots of people, uh, lots of the points that you made resonating with people. Um, you know, uh, Laura here made the point that love that we can use computers to learn skills we need for our students. So, you know, kind of what you were saying, just, you know, go do your own, um, you know, homework out there. People very much agreeing with your points about behavior being communication. Uh, lots of that was resonating with people. Uh, let's see what else we have. Um, Laura, uh, thank you for sharing your story. Uh, and she's from uh, Indianapolis. Uh, a, uh, actually, someone I know, and apparently you know as well, uh, Rick Santula. Uh, uh, he's with the Parent Advocacy Consortium in Annapolis, Maryland, not far from me. Uh, I know uh, I know Rich, great guy. Uh, this is, uh, I guess, the second or third time he's heard you speak and just thanking you for the work that you're doing. Um, we have a couple of other thank yous here. I uh, also have a comment here from Susan Jones. Uh, Susan said, hello, Mike. Uh, Susan's from California. Thank you for all you do. Uh, I worked for years as a special ed teacher, and my soapbox was always in raising awareness of how we respond to our students um, will, in fact, drive the outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. How we respond absolutely drives the outcomes. She yeah. said, uh, I had, yeah, absolutely. I had many students who were labeled as uh, unable and building trust in the relationship was the key to discovering abilities. It's, it's about having that trusted relationship, right, Mike? Uh, and that includes, includes AAC, you know, communicating. And, uh, you know, we, we build relationships with people that we communicate with. Uh, she mentioned so little understanding out there and your work is so needed. Thank you. So a really nice comment there from, uh, from Susan. Um, I did have a question here from Tom. Uh, and Tom asked, Tom said, you know, thanks for talking to us, Mike. Uh, and he said, how do you suggest we flip the script from feeling sorry for parents and teachers to trying to understand the reason for student behaviors? Any thoughts on that? We need. Families. 
And really. No. We need to get into the family's shoe and really know them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My aid. Kindergarten to sixth grade. Thanksgiving. I think that was <coughs> amazing. My aide from kindergarten to sixth grade, she came to my family Thanksgiving for years, and I think that was amazing. Yeah, I mean, getting to your point, it's about getting to know individuals, building relationships. Um, one of the the things that I say frequently is that, um, and, and Mike, you may have heard me say this before, because I know you watch some of our, our other programs, but I often talk about the the three R's of education. And, and I talk, talk about those being relationship, relationship, relationship. Um, you know, so much, um, you know, really comes from forming those relationships 
And it sounds like uh, by that aid forming a relationship with you was able to probably begin to see the, the real potential that you had. I try. to do that with Student, students, that I help yeah. I try to do that with the students that I help mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's fantastic absolutely fantastic um, so Mike we, we've covered a lot of ground here today and talking about your your story and what you've been doing how people can learn more um, and I put some of those links in the the um, chat as we've been talking so that people could find some of those things including the Bill of Rights and, and some of the links that you've mentioned and of course I'll be happy to provide the Facebook links to people that might be uh, interested in learning more uh, I guess as we kind of wind down our interview here I wanted to find out do you have anything else that you'd like to share with our viewers and listeners so any, anything else you'd like to share before we wrap things up here today just believe just believe yeah believing in, in people believing in potential uh, helping people yeah that's great. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, it, it's, it's been a pleasure to, to meet you uh, and a pleasure to have you here today to, to share with our audience. Um, I'm always happy to, to do what we can. Uh, I think that we have a lot of similar goals here in what we do at the Alliance and, and the work that you're doing, which is helping people to, to find their voice and use their voice and be able to communicate. Um, and, and it's just such an honor to have you here with us today. So uh, I just want to thank you for, for coming today. Thank you for doing this interview with us. This will, of course, uh, and, and I usually say this at the beginning and somehow forgot, probably because I was so excited to get started. But uh, as always, these, these interviews are recorded and will be made available on Facebook and YouTube and also as an audio podcast. So we'll share those with uh, not only with you, Mike, but with our audience so that they can share. Um, so continue to let us know how we can support your work. I know there's more people 
in the chat that are that are thanking you for for all that you've done here, Mike. Um, but thank you, and and please uh, stay in touch. Uh, if there's things that we can do to support the work that you're doing and, and uh, you know, we'll continue to work together. Uh, really appreciate it, Mike. Uh. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I will let you go. And I got a couple quick announcements here uh, for the uh, rest of our viewers. But, Mike, I will talk to you again soon. So thank you. Yeah. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed that. Uh, Mike is is fantastic. It's been such a uh, privilege to get to know him uh, and really doing amazing work. I do want to let you know, of course, we've got more great um, events coming up. Uh, and as always, we do these events every two weeks. Uh, and every two weeks, we have a different interview or uh, presentation. Uh, next time, in two more weeks, I'm very, very excited to have back. Uh, and I say back because Robin is one of... Uh, one of our guests that is actually coming back for a second time, uh, Robin Rosigno. Uh, she's going to be talking about moving past compliance-based teaching. And any of you that are um, followers of the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint, you know that uh, very broadly, we are trying to move past compliance into compassion and connection, uh, trying to better support uh, kids and individuals. Uh, Robin has tremendous um, uh, background and credentials in all of this, and uh, we're really excited to have Robin back again. So again, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Please, you know, uh, as always, share these with with your friends, your family. Uh, if you're an educator with with uh, fellow educators or parents, if you're a parent with with teachers and others, uh, we can do better and we keep working towards that. So thank you so much. We'll see you again next time.